Hello and welcome back to Oh No 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 podcast all about everything to do with Rafe Rovers. Now, in 1982, Ridley Scott released the sci-fi epic Blade Runner in which uh, the Dutch actor Rutger Hauer um, delivered a 42-word monologue, at the heart of which he stated, I've seen things that you people wouldn't believe. Now, I'd imagine there is a lot of Rafe Rovers fans and probably our bro fans at this moment who feel very, very similar. Now, naturally, as the Rafe Rovers podcast, we get to recant yesterday's events and look back and uh, go over those. So to do that, I'm joined by our esteemed crew. Um, and while the Dutch did give us Rooker Hauer, we gave them back Mr. Scott Fleming. How are you, Scott? I am all good, Robbie. Yourself? I'm not too bad. Still a bit baffled by yesterday. Um, joining us from Barcelona, we've got Carol Allison-Smith. Buenos dias. Hope everyone's well. Excellent. Blair Hopcroft. Region, mate. Of course. Me too. At heart, always. And then finally, last but certainly not least, Mr. John Greer. I'm here, but... (laughs) As you can tell, we are fully enthusiastic to go back and uh, look at uh, the match yesterday against Arbroath. Um, We will cover, of course, all points of the game, and I will put in timestamps for those who have no doubt jumped into this podcast just to see what we are thinking on this uh, this matter. Um, So what we'll do is we'll start off where we usually do. Looking into the starting 11, we saw a, a return for Daniel O'Reilly at centre-back. Blair, what were your thoughts, firstly, when you saw the uh, the starting lineup? Um, I'm not going to lie, I was actually a wee bit disappointed. Um, the, the back four was kind of exactly what we thought it was going to be, but um, I was sat in the McMillan Club before the game and the, the, the team sheet came up and we were sitting kind of looking through it, trying to figure out the midfield. And it's it was that kind of realization. It's four one three two again. Like he's he's sticking to the game plan, kind of like what Scott said he was going to do. To be fair, and you were a hundred percent vindicated, Scott. But um, yeah, a bit baffled to be honest with you. It, it didn't seem didn't seem like the right lineup from the start. I know this is that sounds bitter as anything because it's in hindsight as well. But it, it just it didn't feel like it was going to work. Um, great to see Dan back in the team. Um, I really like Dan O'Reilly. I think he's. Um, he's exactly the kind of defender I like in my in my team. He's a kind of proper no nonsense centre half. Um, but yeah, I thought the 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 lineup was predictable, but a bit disappointing. Yeah, I think that's. Um, I can understand that perspective after the the last few games that we've had. We've done really well against Partick and Dundee United to sort of get that advantage in the league, and then you go to the air game, and then. We we struggled defensively really in that air game. So then to move forward, you're maybe suspecting that there will be some changes. So to stick with it, I can understand why people were maybe sort of looking at it with a bit of cynicism, even though that four one three twos worked very, very well for us. Um John, were you happy to see O'Reilly back in the squad? Uh yeah. starting eleven. Yeah, I was, because um as everybody said, they, he's done nothing wrong as a a Rovers player, he's brought some uh, good aggression to the back line as well. Um, obviously, the big miss for us, I think, was um, was um, Sean Byrne in the middle of the park. Um, I, I did hope that Brownie, Bruni would go back in and, and do that job that he's done for us so well, but... It, 
it must be quite difficult for Scott Brown at the moment. One minute you're a central defender, next minute you're you're playing in midfield. And um, I just didn't feel he had his best game yesterday. Um, it was it was a bit disappointing. Obviously, the the other big admission from the starting line and lineup was uh, Sam Stanton, and I think um, yesterday illustrated what a what a player he is for us. The fact that he wasn't there, it was quite sad to see him sitting in the the stand with a brace on his on his knee. And Laurie Ellis, who worked with him at Dundee United, was the the guest in hospitality yesterday, and he had a kind of quick conversation with him, and and I'm not too sure how long it's going to be. He's been he's going to be missing, um. So that that's quite sad, um, for for the player having just signed a new contract, but for all of us because he's been a a mainstay of the team and such a good player this season. Yeah, fully agree. Um, I think it's natural to... There's always that sense of frustration when you get a high of a new contract and it's announced and everyone is so excited about it. And then moving forward, all of a sudden, that's taken away from you because he gets an injury. Um, and what was really just a a sort of... A very... Un, not really um, malicious. It was just a, a freak accident, really. Um, so to have that and look at that position. It's very, very difficult, I think, um, at that point, because it does create a degree of flatness almost. We are sort of looking at it, saying to yourself, oh, that's very, very frustrating. So, Carol, to, to sort of touch on what Scott, um, what uh, John mentioned there before, um, Scott Brown moves back into the midfield. Did you think that was quite a positive change to, to go to those two natural centre-backs? What were your thoughts when you saw the, the starting lineup? Similar to, to Blair, I was a bit disappointed. I mean, I've all been forward pushing Brown forward, but it, we're coming up to the, we're playing teams again and again, and we just played. And it's teams know what we're doing. So doing Brown again up front just seemed a bit predictable. And we were, we were very gappy at the back. A, I mean, I don't know if gappy is a word. Very gappy at the back. And I just think Brown would have filled that gap and would move back. So I just... Yeah, when I saw the lineup, I thought we're predictable. They're going to they know exactly what we're going to do today. And the I think we've mentioned, I think Scott, you mentioned it in the, the WhatsApp group that the bench was the weakest that we've had in a while. So even looking at the bench, I was like, I can't see where we're going to go if anything happens. It just felt a bit blah. The lineup. Yeah. No, a I, technical term. I can understand um, where you're coming from. Again, I think there's a few changes that are enforced. So I think the real test will be next week when we play Dunfermline and you see Burn come back in we've still going to be missing Stanton but with our what happens with O'Reilly whether we've got an extension for him um, and any changes this is, a right, this is a right cheery start to a podcast when you're I know, I know. But then, <laughs> Blair you said this last night naturally everything has been going so well with the club you are going to, it's not always going to be like that. And if anyone's going to tell you that, Scottish football fans are going to tell you that, that you are never too high. Uh, don't get too high with your highs. Don't get too low with your lows. Um, and again, there was, I think there was a degree of sort of cynicism going ahead, uh, even though we've sort of been positive. You want to be able to move forward in the best light you can. But then when you see the game against there, it was they were moving forward quite quickly, being able to, to sort of pick us off and how much of that's down to sort of just enforced changes and how much is down to system. 
again, that's going to be up for debate. So, Scott, game kicks off. Um, just going to give you a bit of a, a sort of um, carte blanche here and just say the opening 30 minutes. So, before we scored our goal, um, how did you see the game panning out in front of you? Uh, I kind of, within five minutes, went, oh dear, we're playing the same as the game. <laughs> and it was, well, we had the couple of chances, which obviously... Because I had to look back at the highlights, especially Connolly's one where he's like opened his foot up and it's gone well wide. And I thought, I don't know if that took a deflection or if he's just absolutely scoffed it or what. But I do think if Aidan Connolly's right foot wasn't just for standing on, he scores that if he's got a right foot. Because it, it's almost like he's had to open his body way too much to then uh, kind of hit it across, which, uh, I mean, I, I can't really criticise the boy. He's been brilliant the last calendar year so but it's I just thought we just huffed and puffed a lot of that first 30 but a lot of the game to be honest but we we seem to yet again we've already touched on it but the one in midfield just I'm sorry I just think it's not working it's we're asking one guy to do like two or three guys job and I think if that one guy Sam Stanton you might have a chance but if it's not then it's just not going to work and uh, we'll go into it later, I'd imagine, but we have to go back to two in midfield. And it has to be two midfielders. It can't be Lewis Vaughan, because you also take someone away from Lewis Vaughan as well. So, yeah. But, I think... uh, without, like, we we also need to realise we didn't lose the game. First in general, we were just a bit slack with a lot of things. And we just... I don't know where the pace our game's gone. We seem to just slow everything right down. I'm like, well, our both are happy with that because they're in their position. And the thing was as well, going into the game, you knew, well, obviously, Tam O'Brien went off injured within nine minutes. Straight away, that's a new back four that have probably never played together, the full back four. Why we never went for them at that point? We just kind of kept going the same pace. And we do, right, we've only got two outfielders that can come on. Again, just keep moving the ball, but they'll get knackered. But it just didn't seem to happen. And uh, I obviously, it led to the goal eventually, but I didn't I didn't even think the goal was ever coming, to be honest, in that first half. I mean, you say that, but I think that um, there were a few chances in there. Callum Smith had a one-on-one, which um, uncharacteristically didn't bury home. Because in all honesty, Callum Smith's been brilliant at finishing one-on-one chances this season. So it's quite strange that he actually didn't score that one. But then again, it's it's a tough angle. Uh, keeper did well to get out. But I, for me, going back to that point about the uh, 4-1-3-2, um, to change it into the 4-2, um, effectively two holding midfielders. Blair, you've mentioned before, so with Scott Byrne, <laughs> Scott Byrne, um, Scott Brown and uh, Sean Byrne, um, we've tried that before. Um, against Airdrie and we found ourselves a bit flat-footed so do you think it's worth giving it another go or do you think it's worth maybe sort of try to play Ross Matthews in there or McGill? Yeah, see, I, I, I'm, there's a little bit of me that that worries a little bit about two out-and-out holding midfielders um, because you, you do end up with a massive gap from front to back. Um, but the problem with the one holding midfielder is we've still got that massive gap. It's just 10, 15 yards closer to your own goal. Um, and they just keep occupying it. They kept filling it up. I mean, we basically made Leighton McIntosh look like a handful yesterday. 
um, by letting them just kind of win headers. But then as the ball drops, you've got a, a chance for an Arbroath player to get on it. So they kind of get a foothold further up the pitch on us. Um, I'd definitely like to see another midfielder in there. Um, I, I would rather it was a... There's a little bit of me actually wonders if, if Sean Byrne comes back in, if Scott Brown can play just a little bit in front of him. Because Scott's quite... He's, he's not really your kind of atypical kind of, you know, like foot on the ball, control the game kind of midfielder. He's blood and thunder. And, and he's a good footballer, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to yeah. limit the game. But he, he does play the game with a bit of an intensity. Um, I don't think we lose an awful lot by having him a little bit in front of Byrne, you know, running around, putting out fires, doing all that work, letting Sean Byrne play the game. Um, but obviously without Sean Byrne yesterday, you're relying on Scott Brown to do that job. And as, as Scott has said, you get away with that when you've got Stanton, because Stanton does the job of three people. We've, we've talked about this on the podcast a few times now. Um, yesterday just never really felt like that. I actually... I. I kind of disagree with Scott a little bit. I felt like the goal was coming in the first half, surely from the fact that I didn't think they were very good. And like we had a lot of the ball, we had a lot of the possession. They hadn't really created anything until the header. So late McIntosh gets that header and um, Kev makes a great save down to his right-hand side. And then I forget the order if it's before or after the goal, but very quickly after that, there's another one that for all the world I thought was in. And Kev leaves it as late as he can and sprawls light, like wide left, yeah. tips it and it went to the bar. Crack and save. Um, and it was a, don't get me wrong, like it was a good goal that we scored. Do you know what I mean? Really well worked um, through the midfield. Ball goes into Vaughan and Vaughan just lays it on a plate for Dylan Easton who, who slides it home. And you kind of thought, right, okay, we're, we're, we're in now, we're settled. But it was too... I don't know, it was too pedestrian. Like the whole, I'd say the whole 90 minutes actually. and Well, actually not even the 90 minutes until they scored their first goal. I think that was the problem for me was, I don't know whether it was the gaps that were left by Stanton or just the lack of energy that you get from Stanton. It just felt really pedestrian. It reminded me a little bit, I said this last night, it reminded me a little bit of the Montrose game in the Cup where it felt like a bit of a training game. Aye. And it was like the, the squad had kind of decided that if we just do our thing, we'll be fine, we'll win the game, so we're just going to do our thing, and it never really it never really got going. Yeah. Carol, you've obviously tuned in through Rafe TV, so those, Kev has a double save um, right before we do score. Um, do you think, it, how do you think that will help him um, moving forward in terms of confidence-wise, just after the error against there? Um. Right, that's what I have a question about. Did he is he is he okay? Because he's constantly looked on the like he's got a little bit of a knock and there's a little bit of a niggle and there's just not something there. And every time he goes in for these saves, I'm petrified he's going to do himself some serious damage because I don't think he's a hundred percent. John, but would you like? John, to? yes. Um, <laughs> I'm putting my doctor's hat on. Yes. Well, um, Carol, it's very interesting you should bring that up because we we had a a, a great half hour with Kev in the Jim McMillan Club um, uh, yesterday. Jim McMillan Club's a wonderful place for people to go and mix after the games and uh, it's it's great because we we presented Kevin with a with his uh, travel coffee mug that was uh, 
inspired by Les's uh, illustration, but brought to to being by by the wonderful Blair Hopcroft, um, who used to do the socials for the club. I don't know if you're <laughs> aware of that. But anyway, Kevin came in. Um, obviously, he was very down about uh, the result, but he did show us by lifting his shirt and uh, showed us his bruised hip that he's got, um, which maybe we shouldn't be talking about if we're allowing some Fernland people to, to watch this. But he's he is on the main, but he does still have a bit of bruising there. But his two saves that he did at that time were 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 really good. You know, it was uh, uh, two really good saves he made. Um, just going on the Blair, what you were saying, I, I do believe that there is an opportunity for Scott Brown to, to play slightly further forward. And I think that's more his game in some ways. Box the box. He's um, got the energy. He's got the drive. And we've seen him do that in the past. So maybe that is where the the situation will be resolved with the Sam Stanton missing that that Scott Brown will go in that role and and do a good job there for us. Yeah, I think it's um, it'll be interesting to see what Ian Murray's reaction is to it. Um, just because you do feel that there does need to be a change. It's just a question of where that change will be and how it will come, whether it's going to be a formational change or uh, whether it's going to be a case that we're looking just in terms of the personnel. So we'll turn to the goal itself. Um, so I'll just go to you, John. Um, what were your thoughts on the build-up to the goal and how it went? Well... It was, it was quite funny because we were a wee bit disjointed in, in the game. Um, Blair said we were a bit pedestrian in that as well. We obviously got a, a throw-in up on our right as we're attacking and um, there was some good passing moves and a, a great ball played to, to Lewis Vaughan who then had, um, I think when you see the goal from behind in the, the um, highlights, there's, you could see that there's a great run by uh, Dylan Easton. The ball slipped through to him. And it was simplicity in itself, wasn't it? The way it was finished as well. It, it was a great move. It was the best move of the, the game up until then. And a really well-deserved goal. Yeah, I thought that um, with the goal itself... It was exactly what you want to see from this rover side, and that was probably this rover side at its best in the sense of players moving into space, finding time in behind, um, and being able to get an on goal. Really great pass from um from Lewis Vaughan to set him off, though, as you say, John, um, and just to be able to move forward with it. So that brought us to half time, one 0 rovers, um, and we seem to be in relative control of the game, albeit with a few. Sort of sticky spills during the first half. There was a bit of a bizarre incident over um, the the halftime break. Our broth were forced into a double substitution. Um, now, again, football clubs like ours are run on volunteers, and it's it's always going to find hiccups in the in the process. So I don't think it was any real fault of um, Jim that was on the tannoy. That is, I'm guessing it's not been communicated to him that these subs have been made. Um, so you get about 10 minutes into the um, 
10 minutes into the second half and then he's back on the tannoy providing a monologue um, about what's actually happened. So, oh, um, Well, can I just say that yep. it, was me that, it was me that texted him and said, our both have made a double substitution and I, I sort of screenshotted it from Sky Sports page and, and sent it to him. So that's what prompted that. But as you say, Jim, Jim's usually on the case pretty well. I think it's... Sorry, I was going to say in his defence, and mm-hmm. my my, I could be completely wrong in this. But in my head, when you make a substitution at half time, the team comes out, the assistant line, or the assistant referee stands on the halfway line with the two yeah. substitutes and brings them on. Yeah, and I don't think I should say as well. Nothing is here is getting labelled as a criticism, and I know that no, you're no, not no, saying no, that. No, yeah, but yeah, it, was, but... it was weird because it was literally about ten seconds before he announced it. We're yeah. sitting, we're going, where's Hilton? Yeah, Where, where's gold? Who's that yeah. guy? It was like <laughs> it was really weird because there was no there was no visible sign of a substitution at all. Yeah, Robbie, like... Robbie, can I just say for clarification, Jim Clark's a very good friend of mine. So can we criticise him as much as we can? <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't because uh, he sounds like a stellar guy. So, um. But yeah, a, a really strange instant because again, myself, I checked um flash score at half time and it had the, the double su- substitution there and I turned to the people that I was with and we were just a bit like oh that's a bit strange it didn't get announced did that get announced at half time we were doing a bit of a double take in um, so the the second half begins Carol um, Jack Hamilton puts us 2-0 up um, just your views on on that goal um, to, to sort of put a cruising on to the predicted 2-0 victory that I had and I thought we were sitting quite nicely yeah. Well, that's was a two 0 victory. I was like, this is this could be it. This could be it. We could get two goals, clean sheet, all great, lovely goal, feeling good. Um, I thought the first uh, first half the communication was just off, and we come out the second half with a little bit more communication between the players. A lot of it before the the second goal, it did feel like a lot of players were playing individually and weren't on the same page of the playbook as everybody else. They were just sort of moving around, but then the Hamilton goal seemed to bring everyone together. And yeah, I'm sure so. Um, from Ray TV, the angle wasn't particularly great. Um, but yeah, it looked good. Yeah, and Blair, we've seen uh, Aidan Connolly come back into the side now. Um, he's had a, a few games on the bounce and been getting a few assists. That was another one yesterday. Do you think we're starting to see him at his best? Uh, coming back into it, or he's came back after the summer, had a, a very sort of longer term injury. Um, do you think he's now sort of looking more like the player um, sort of moving forward that we've had? Yeah, I, I, in, a, in a way, yes. I don't think yesterday necessarily was his best game either, if mm. I'm being a wee bit critical. Um, again, good with the ball, but um, he kind of got caught out a couple of times defensively. Um, he's been kind of up and running for a few weeks, I would say. Um, and it was a crack. I, I must admit, I thought... From, from where we sit in the south stand, we're kind of right behind the goalie's left post, if you like, so towards the railway side. Um, I thought it was going in, and Jack Hamilton had nicked it. And I didn't realise until after I watched the replay that it wasn't going in, and Jack Hamilton had scored a goal and just had decided not to celebrate against our Arbroath, which I'm not on board with, Jack, if we're if you're listening. Um, I think you should have absolutely stuck it to them. Um, it, was a, it was a good goal, um, really well worked, and again, kind of came from... Us, this is going to sound really bad actually, but it just came from us being better than them. Like, wasn't like we, 
you know, massively carved them open or we were, you know, on it or at it. It was just, we, we were just a better side at that point. Um, a really, really good ball in um, and a good header from a, a Jack Hamilton who, again, I don't, <laughs> sound really, really negative a day, but I, I didn't think he had his best game either. Um, it was a bit of a thorn in their side, but nothing stuck. Absolutely nothing stuck, which was not like him at all. Yeah. Everybody seemed about 80% yesterday mm. and just off off the ball, giving them lots of space, not community. It just was a very, very different team from previous weeks. And it was just a bit... Even the goal celebrations were flat. There was no... Nothing. Everyone just been like, all right, here we are. We're, 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 we're going through the motions today and just felt a bit flat. Yeah, I would... Um... Certainly, I mean, at the ground, it definitely felt flat up until a certain point. Um, and then the atmosphere maybe changed into, again, I've said before, I felt that the, we'd sort of turned a corner in terms of frustration for people. But that definitely yesterday was uh, uh, a bit of a different atmosphere, shall we say, um, especially towards the end. Um, so, yes, I'll just go to yourself, Scott, just lastly. Um with that Jack Hamilton goal, did you just think, again, much like the rest of us, right, we're in control, cruise control here um, and moving forward that way? What were your sort of thoughts after that? I I mean, I kind of, as soon as the goal happened, I kind of said to the guys that were sat next to me, like, now it's the time to properly not do what we usually do and bring on strikers. Let's go and bring on Ross Matthews, Scott McGill. Let's make sure that we get more than a one goal win and make in the first of all just get the three points. It's you don't need to go and score three, four and five. If it happens, it happens. But you just if you've got a two goal lead, deal with it. Like it's Ian Murray summed up brilliantly, I thought in his his interview he just went, Once your two goes up, you have to deal with it. And he he did kind of put it on the players in his interview saying like there's got to be better game management. I mean obviously we we uh, spoke to Kev last night and he also was just like, look, we all have to take the blame for it. He's just like, but at the same time, we have to be better in future. Because like, I, I thought there was too many times yesterday, even at 1-0, when you've got the goal, I get that we are wanting to always be on the front foot and we're always wanting to be kind of up at them a lot of time to try and tire them out or whatever. But there's too many times we're rushing throw-ins and we're rushing corner kicks and free kicks and you're going, it's worked sometimes but it's not going to work 100% of the time like sometimes there's got to be a little bit of touch on it, Ross Millen's actually I think the best for slowing it down when it comes to a throw in he actually probably goes too slow to be honest but mm-hmm. uh, there's too many times yesterday that Callum Smith or Jack Hamilton or whoever just spinted over, got the ball and got it back in play you're going we're one two nil up, what do we need to rush about for? I get you didn't want to slow the game too much to get our both to think we can come back, but just a little bit more control in general would have been a lot better than what did end up happening. But uh, I definitely thought at 2 0, what was about to happen was never going to happen. Yeah. But, uh, aye, it was, it was pretty frustrating after that. I don't uh, think. Oh, Robbie, yeah, can, can I just say, uh, we're 2 nothing up, and then we have a great chance where Aidan Connolly's shot just just drifted past. Now, if that goes in, if that goes in, we're sitting here with a different outcome. Uh, Blair's a lot happier. We're all a lot happier. You know, 
that that was the moment where possibly the the convincing win turned into the nervy afternoon that it did. Um, the Jack Hamilton chance as well, wasn't there? Yeah, Craig Jack Hamilton. Yeah. 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 Had enough chances to win that game. The Ryan have a good chance as well in the second, the first half. Who? O'Reilly. O'Reilly. Ah, yeah. he had one blocked for corner. Yeah. Ah. It just, I think Duncan summed it up perfectly in the in the club last night. You know, Murray Ball giveth and Murray Ball taketh away, because. It, it, I actually have to say I was 100% the opposite to Scott on point because he's there next to me um, 100% the opposite of what Scott said when when we went 2-0 up I thought go for it we we need to put a marker down here we need to show that we are genuine contenders because we've not won a game by more than a goal we need to actually go at them now you know hit three or four because they are there for the taking and it just felt like we just eased off and it got really slow so I was like Come on, Murray, make a change. Put an attacker on, freshen it up a bit and go for it. You're sitting there going, come on, put somebody on that's going to shore it up. And Murray did neither. He did so, nothing. Do you think it's... I was going to ask this question just before John came in there. Do you think that, that it's almost become a bit of a bugbear um, in the same way that the goals between the, the sort of 45th and 60th minute have, have became a bit of a... I know Leslie jokingly called it the golden sieve. Um, because we conceded so many goals during that period. Do you think it's almost become a bit of an itch that we're desperate to sort of just get rid of um, that we can't win a game or we haven't won a game by more than a goal yet in the league? We've done it in the Cups absolutely fine, but in the league it's like there's this almost like this block that stops us from doing it. So, Blair, do you think there's a almost a, a bit of a bugbear there, just that they're, they're sort of almost desperate to, to get it done? So that might lead to a bit of passiveness in that? I don't... I, honestly, Robbie, I don't know if it's that or not. I don't know if the players will pay that much attention to this kind of stuff. I think this is something that fans latch on to, um, more so than the players. I would, I would, at least I think it would be. But it, it just felt like yesterday was, like I said already, quite pedestrian. Like, it was... It felt like the team thought if they just keep doing what they're doing, they're going to win the game. And for, for all intents and purposes, they would have been right. Do you know what I mean? And like, there's been a fair bit of criticism on on socials and stuff that the last sort of what twelve hours or so about you know Murray not making changes or making changes when he did or the changes that he made or the positions that he's playing players in or the formation that he's using. But as I said before, like it, it's worked so many times this season. Do you know what I mean that you can't? You can't praise him one week and then criticise him the next week for it not happening. And the bit that gets that I keep coming back to, and it's hard because yesterday felt more of a defeat than the air game for the simple reason that the air game we were kind of we shouldn't have been, but we were kind of chasing the game. Yeah. Whereas yesterday was a two goal lead and we blew it. So it feels like it always feels like a defeat if you're two 0 up and you draw two each. Like I mean, we've been four 0 up and drawn four four. So it's I mean we've been here before. Mm-hmm. But it, it it feels really negative. But we've been on the other side of it, where we've been you know, down and come back to draw two two, with doing the same thing, exactly the same thing, and we praise them for it. And it's like, well, you you know, you can't. What's that thing about you can't? If you can't enjoy the bad times, you don't deserve the good times. Aye. At the same time, we can't sit here and say it was wonderful because it really wasn't. It? Yeah. So we reach the fifty eighth minute. Um, just before uh, Jack Hamilton gets his goal um, 
we will now move to the point for the benefit of those using the timestamps. We've hit the moment that everyone is looking forward to talking about or hearing about, certainly, probably from the outside perspective, Ian Lato's clip, um, which he posted to Twitter, has got 6 million views of it. So enough for every single person in Scotland to have watched it once, um, at least. Um, our broth get another injury, and um, what happens is effectively they bring off uh, the lad, I think it's Aaron Steele, is it? And with no outfield subs remaining on their bench, they decide, rather than playing with 10 men, which you would think most clubs would do, um, they say, nope. We're not having that. We're going to chuck on our sub goalie enter, Mr. Ali Adams, um, who has played for a few clubs before. I believe he's in his um, early 30s. Just firstly, um, I'm just going to go to John. What was your sort of thoughts when you saw that happening? Uh, because he's goes out in front of the in front of the dugout and he's literally changing his shorts. His wife fronts exposed to everyone at Starks Park. Like, what were you, What was your perspective when you saw that? Oh, I'm not very happy you've come to me to talk about him standing near me his wife fronts. That's not right. Ah, John, <laughs> I've got to lower the tone here. But um, even before that, I think uh, Scott Scott was sitting behind me and he said, look, there's somebody away down to the... Uh, we saw somebody running down to the dressing room to get new kit to come up. So there was a wee kind of buzz saying, oh, my God, they're, they're bringing on their goalie as an outfield player. You know, what's going on here? Um, it's one of these things, isn't it? I didn't really want to speak too much about it because I'd rather it didn't happen, what happened when he came on. Um, but what can you say? The guy came on, he, he, he could do that 100 times and never get the result that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Blair, I know that you sit in a separate section in terms of the South Stand. What was the, the, the chatter around you? So, yeah, the, the, the kit woman comes running up the touchline with a with the kit and the goalie's going down. Of course, he's all dressed in purple and he's taking his top off and he's getting the top and then they're like, they're pointing and he's getting shorts and socks. And he genuinely, for anybody who wasn't there, he's genuinely stood in the dugout and pulls his shorts down. No attempt to kind of hide behind anybody or sit in the second row of the dugout and right touch side, um, pants out and, and gets changed. And in my head, I'm thinking, and I know every Scottish football fan will be thinking the same thing. I'm thinking on oh, that. Nah. Oh no, it's going to happen. Like it is written in the stars. I've been following this, and every fan will say the same thing. I've been following this club for too long. I've seen strikers and goals. I've seen um, DJ's players taking over the club. Cutted. Oh my god, I've seen everything. Like this is this is it. And we're sitting there, and I turned to my mate and I went, "This is it, isn't it? Like this is that." And all the years I've been watching football. I have never seen this. I'm thinking, I'm like, ah, David James came on for Man City once when Stuart Pearce was the manager. And I remember he had the kit ready and he had the James on the back of it and all the rest of it. And I thought, no, nah, no. Nah. Just this sinking, horrible feeling in my gut that it was going to happen. And there's, I mean, it was always going to happen, right? But there's a little bit of me and just for anybody who is clipping this, there's a little bit of me that's kind of glad it happened the way that it did and it wasn't like a sclaffy, horrible goal because there's a little bit of me that goes, at least if he gets the pushcast for it, 
somebody will have heard about us. I don't know. It was awful. I mean, it should never have happened. It's embarrassing. But, my God, what a goal. Aye. And, Carol, <laughs> just <laughs> to, to come to you, um, what was the sort of feedback on the Rafe TV chat board? Because I know that the chat board can pop off at times. And what were the, again, just to come to your, your perspectives, but also the perspectives of Davey and whoever was on, or Neil, whoever was doing the commentary? Well, I love Wraith TV and I love the commentators, but they need to stop jinxing it. They really just need the Kaya thing, as we'd say in Castellano. They just need to shut up because literally just before that, it'd be funny if the goalkeeper scored two seconds later and it goes. And it was just, it was that acknowledgement that it was an amazing goal, but also that realisation of we're going viral. And if you literally go on Twitter now, and put in Ali Adams in the latest search. We are currently in uh, Swedish, German, French, Icelandic, uh, Spanish, uh, other languages. We yeah, so people know about us. So, so there's a there's a chance that Big John's seen how to score a goal at Stars Park. Is that what you're telling? <laughs> I was going to say maybe there's that um, that fish farmer from uh, Buckhaven, John, will be uh, delighted <laughs> up there, um, and the Pharaohs. But yeah, uh, Carol, you must be the first person that I've ever heard outside of John McGlynn down in Stranraer with the Can You Count that's criticised Rafe TV in person. I don't think I've ever heard anyone actually do that there. So that's uh, it's some... just, just remember the jinx, people. You can yeah. you can say it inside, just don't say it out. Right. Don't say it out. Don't say. It, don't say it. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't it be funny if the goalkeeper scored? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. just so farcical, but it played into that whole. That's what I'm saying. That kind of like not being at it, that kind of pedestrian vibe. It was like, oh, well, they're now bringing on a sub-goalie up front. Let's well, that just... was the sort of the, yeah, the commentary was, the that, yeah, that he was up front. And I think the idea was, oh, they're just going to keep him up front and he's just going to stand there for numbers and he's not going to do anything. I don't know yeah. if they showed it, Carol, but five minutes into his championship debut, he had to go back off to get shin guards on because he'd forgotten to put shin guards on. Like, that's the level we were at. Folk are yeah, talking yeah. about vintage cinch. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, because there was he's got put shin guards on and everything. Come on, and honestly, I think everyone thought he would just be the number up, the, and they would pass the ball to him, and it was. But a quick bit of research: he's done this before. He this has isn't he's, the first. He this scored isn't the first. From an end, didn't he? Yeah, he, he scored, scored from, from his. An end. I mean, in yeah. fairness, that was. This is a surreal statement to make, but in fairness, he was in goals for that one, and it was from the halfway line on a proper blowy day. Whereas this was just, right, so we reach, let's get into it, we reach the 76th minute, a ball goes out to the wing and one of the Arbroath players gets a, a sort of, a, almost a diving header of an assist, it was really strange when you look back on it, the ball goes out to the wing and he sort of trips up and does a diving header. Now, Ali Adams, it reaches his feet and the ball's under his feet, at which point he just takes the puncher's chance, this was like watching Ruiz versus Joshua all over again, just in the sense that you think that the, the plucky underdog's absolutely battered, he's been knocked down once, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it was just this one hit that just goes flying. And you know what the strange thing is? You can't even level any criticism at Kevin Dabrowski for it, because it was by him by the time that he got a glove up. It was that quick. Um, so we'll go to you, Scott. Just... What were you thinking initially? Uh, well, initially, I saw—I don't know if it was just because I wanted to see it in the highlights later. Purely down to the fact I went, has he like taking like a? Because he seemed to be very open for the shot all of a sudden. But when you look at Rave TV again, 
What actually makes the goal, I think it makes it even better. He's not even looking at the goal. He's back to goal and just turns around and hits the ball. It's almost as if he's like, there's a guy out wide on the right wing. You're going, he must have been raging as soon as he hit that, that he never got the ball. And yet uh, it's almost like you what and then just, I, I think it just summed it up. Literally everybody just stood up and clapped it. Like it was just, what else are you meant to do? Like even if, Hilton had scored that, you would have been going, you might not have been standing up clapping, but you would have went, what a goal. Like, uh, no matter who scored it, whether it was a sub goalie or whoever, it was just some goal. And it's, I mean, as you say, like, folk have been tweeting about it. It's, it's worldwide now. Folk are just seeing it everywhere on Twitter. But if it happened in Australia, wherever, it would be worldwide anyway. It's just happened to us, unfortunately. And then, I do think that goal actually shook us majorly. It, it, when it, again, I think it would have shook us no matter who scored it. It just, I think we thought, as Blair said, that we're just going to ease the victory at 2 0. They've brought on a sub goalie. They put him up front so that it doesn't cause any mayhem near their box. And then uh, I, I just thought, it, at that point, I thought, right, let's see how the next five go because that'll be interesting to see if we deal with it, which. And then we didn't, but I still think it's it's not we'd lost it. We didn't uh, lose the game, but we the goal came from a penalty in the end. It wasn't even like they carved us open to get the second, which was a wee bit uh, annoying as well. So Blair, how about for you? Talk oh. us for it. It was just the, the <laughs> what did you say? The bit, the, the bit that got me when you watch the replay back, it's Dan O'Reilly's reaction. So if you watch it just after the ball hits the net, the camera kind of swings by and Dan O'Reilly genuinely looks confused. He's like, kind of looking about like, what do, did he just, what? And it was a, a totally, and I, I'll be the first to say it, I stood up and applauded him. It was an absolutely wonderful goal. Um, and it was ridiculous. But... If, and I, I actually said this to Kev as well because um, Kev was saying, oh, and it moved in the wind and stuff, and it will have done because the wind was actually quite strong. The ball was moving about in the air a lot um, throughout the game. But there was that thing of I said, like, do you know what? If somebody had said to you, they're going to bring their sub goalie on, he's going to go up front, and they're going to be limited to pot shots for 35 yards for their sub goalie, you take it all day. Yeah. You, you would never, no football fans going, how on earth is their goalie getting a shot from 35 yards? Like the defenders back off them because they're thinking, if you're going to shoot for them, mate, go for it. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's nobody in the ground, including Ali, I don't think thought that was going to happen. Actually, he might have because the way he celebrated, that was actually my favourite bit. I'm I'm kind of on board with this now. The, the way he ran, the, the length of the pitch, arms <laughs> like he's, he's, he's whooping the, the crowd. He's come. Why think, wouldn't you? That's every kid's like dream. If you were but like, but Robbie, where would you have went? Aye, exactly. I would have run into the away fans. I would have run yeah. straight to the away fans. He ran to us. He ran Aye. to us and gave it the come on, ladies. Like it was brilliant. So good. No, I'm again, I, I'm in full agreement. I, if players are on the wind up, like I, I'm aye, all for it. Um, we have no choice, mate. We need to embrace this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you, though? I mean, we've, we've done it all season to every other club. We've had it done to us from, like, the start. And then ever since, it's almost become, like, a meme with our players sticking their fingers in their lugs. <laughs> um, John, you look um, a bit sad over there. No, I'm not sad. Um, and, you know, 
I didn't like it happening, but the thing is, good on the guy, you know. He, he as as Scott says, he showed a lot of skill to just swivel round and hit it the way he did. You know, even at the end of the game, the, he he came down with his hands up like this, and the, there was guys pointing at him, and he was still getting a wee ripple of applause for the Rover supporters. The good thing is we've never heard from Fermer, so that's the blessing, isn't it? I don't know. Has he made any comment on any socials or anything about it? I wouldn't follow Fermer enough I'm to I'm just to so glad it wasn't credence. on Arbroath TV. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my I'm, God. I'm very, very glad. Um, yeah. And I think if they did do commentary, that would have been out already. Um, yeah. But aye, uh, I've I've spoken about Fermer before, but again, fair play to, to the lad, uh, Ali Adams. Um, you see a lot in football, um, especially at this level. And I was thinking um, a few days ago about like just speaking with my, my friends. A lot of them are sort of go uh, they well they don't go to they'll watch like top flight games. Um, in terms of England, they've all got English teams as such, and. That doesn't happen at that level of football. They, nobody, I mean, again, there's the Stuart Pierce springing on um, the lad up top, but um, David He's James up top. By the way. David but, James has retweeted. He retweeted Ian's. Uh, wouldn't they surprise that's me? How it's done. But, <laughs> um, there's the famous Carlisle goalkeeper, was it Jimmy Gates? Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Glass. Jimmy Glass, yes. Who scored the goal to but, keep them in the league. This wasn't a, a keeper going up for a last-minute goal in a sort of ditch to get the extra man in the box, was it, though, Carol? It was very much a, a very unique moment. It felt that, and was that the same for you? Yeah, it just, it was like, it never changed Scottish football. Never change. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't get, you you wouldn't get in Spanish football, maybe in the lower leagues, but then never change. And it was that, it, the guy looked frozen when he walked on, didn't look enthusiastic, had to go off and get his shin pads on. And you're like, it's just, just gonna it's just gonna be one of those moments. And then yeah, hits a worldie and you're like You know yeah. what was one of the funnier moments in the game? I don't know if the guys in the South Stand picked this up, but like there was a moment where a ball got played to him and it got shanked about like twenty yards over his shoulder. He turns and he starts berating the defender for not playing it in his feet. He was absolutely raging. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, Who is this guy? Like, what is going on here? But yeah, is I, he going to stay in goal or is he now going to become an outfield player? I was going to say, I'm going to just, if for for anybody who is tuning into this, looking for the bitter Rovers fan, here's the little bit of it, right? So, <laughs> the wee bit of me that's that's kind of not thinking Scottish football never change because there's like, and this is going to sound really bitter, and I know it will, but our both have got to be a bit embarrassed by this, right? I mean, they've got to the situation where they've got three outfield players available plus a goalie on the bench because two of their players were fighting with each other at home last week and one of them got suspended because of it they've then picked up injuries which is not I mean that happens right the injuries yeah. happen whatever. Lord knows they've, last season's Rovers totally but they've got to the stage where they're having to bring on their sub goalie as an outfield player like this isn't a <laughs> we talked about like the firmer and all the nonsense that he comes up with like this is this is the second flight in Scottish football. Oh, yeah. There's a little bit of this has got to be tempered with how have they got there? Like, mm-hmm. there has to be serious questions being asked by our growth fans. As much as they'll be loving the point and they'll be loving the goal and they'll be dining out in it for weeks. And so they should, by the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Be big well, questions being asked. Like, how, how have they got here? 
Blair, can I and guys, can I just explain? I was down in the the area near the dressing rooms after the game, and it was really good gesture by Simon, our kit man, because he gave them a ball, and they were getting the the our growth players were signing the ball to give to Ali Adams for the goal for the the ball that he scored the the goal with. So good on them for that because that's a a great yeah, yeah that's that's a you know there's a you hear about that's stuff a like really that in football thing for a, a part-time player that might be the highlight of his career oh undoubtedly much as, much as i bloody hated it and even <laughs> hearing robbie savage and chris sutton discussing it on the the radio on the way home but yeah i think that's a, a really good gesture though from from our perspective yeah. because like again you can act better and you can go down that route or you can Take the hump for it, or you can just accept. Look, nobody saw it coming. It's a completely untoward incident that nobody would have expected. Sure, there is. I, I fully agree with you, Blair. There is a degree that we've got a team in the second top tier of Scottish football that's having to field and out. To pick up on that, what would we have done? Would we have gone with ten men, or would we have stuck on a, a, another player? I mean, it's even money, so let's be honest. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know, yeah. and I, I don't think you can really judge until you're in that circumstance, yeah. but. Yeah, again, just to go back to my point, you, you look and, and football's so sanitised in terms of like stuff like top flight games. You go to the, watch these games on the TV where everything's perfect and everything's like the passes are all absolutely beautiful 40-yard crossfield passes and you see your great players over the years and you've got clubs spending astronomical amounts of money, fans getting priced out of games. This is why people like us watch a local football team and sometimes you're on the upside of it and you get the positives and you get your moments like your Brian Potter up in Perth where we stick on a 17 year old goalie in a semi-final of a cup and then he saves the penalty to to get us through other times you end up and it's far more often on the other time where you end up with your uh, outfield playing goals or your on the conceding end of a, a goal from a, a goalkeeper who's playing up top. And it's just kind of, you've just got to accept it's part of the ride, but the, it's a ride all the same. And you've just got to embrace it and en enjoy it while you go. But again, not too enthusiastically when you're on the receiving end, as I'm sure John Greer will probably beat me up if I talk any more about it. So that'll probably conclude us talking about that. So if you've tuned in specifically for it, that's the end of your podcast. We're going to crack on with the rest of this game. Um, so moving forward after that, Carol, um, there's a build-up and then with 10 minutes to go, our bro get a penalty. Um, you'll have watched it on Rafe TV. What was the angle like for you? It was the penalty. Straight up, there was no argument. It was, yeah, silly, but predictable, I think. We just didn't... We were giving them too much space yesterday, and I think Ian Murray picked up on it in his post-match interview. We're not tackling at the moment. And when we do, we're making big mistakes when we're doing it. And I think that, that Scott Brown's card and the penalty that came with it was a result of lack of defending, big big gaps in the defence and mistakes when tackling or not tackling. But yeah, there was no doubt. And the same was said on Race TV that we couldn't argue. There was no doubt. Yeah. I think that Scott Brown straight away, you could sit, tell by the, the body language. Like he, he's tried to almost sort of block, but his arm's just a little bit out and it yeah. deflects up. And then he goes down. Um, and I think that's almost a, a sort of almost like a telltale sign. Um, when you get into that situation. So, 
Leighton McIntosh sticks at home, um, the penalty. So, do you think there was just... I'm going to go to um, John next. After the air game and how we'd played over the last few weeks, in particular with the Partick game where it came back and forth, do you think there's been a bit of a change almost in the mentality where before there was almost sort of a, a kind of expectation that, yeah, we can potentially do something? Do you think that feeling's still there or do you think it's changed almost slightly just in, in terms of the, the frustration because of the way that we're playing? I think um, even... With ten minutes to go and it's it's uh, two all, I thought we'll we'll get one really big chance. Let's see if we could we could get it. Um, has the feeling that they're not going to do that? I'm, I don't think so. I think we have all to be a bit realistic about where we are as a club and 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 the position we're in. Yeah. You know, we're, we came away with a two all draw, and I know it felt like a defeat yesterday. The the realization is the fact that we're we're we've played half a season, we're three points clear, albeit that they've got a game in Dundee United have got a game in hand now. We're way above what our expectations were for the season. Let's be realistic. We maybe we could say yesterday is a great point to reset. We go again on Tuesday. Let's get going again and and carry on with the season. Yeah. So Blair, I'd be I'd be quite interested to hear again sort of your perspective on that sort of same question. Um just how do you feel that we are moving forward and sort of where we're at just now? I mean, yeah, you've 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 got to take a step back and look at it and it's 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 great. It is really good, but you can't also come away from that game yesterday and feel anything other than deflated. Um, I think Murray hit the nail on the head in his post-match when he said that, you know, the the success and the the position that we're in also breeds expectation. And and they've they've brought they've bred expectation. You know, they've they've created a situation where they are at the top of the league on on merit. They're not there, you know, with the other team having games in hand that are going to take them above us in the league, although now obviously with the goal difference that kind of is the case but we're, we're three points clear effectively but we're five going into the, the game yesterday against our broth who were bare bones so the, yeah. the expectation is that we should have won it and I said this before that that yesterday's the kind of game that if you want to win the league they're the games you win you have to win those games they're they're almost a given um, so as much as we're still in a, a good position and we're still doing okay um, in the league and stuff there has to be a bit of a wake-up call, I think, from, yeah. from this point. Um, I think that's 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 probably a fair way to put it. Um, maybe be uh, a frustrated <laughs> outlook on the game, but a positive outlook on the season is probably a fair summary on how most fans are, are sort of seeing, seeing things on the perspective. Because it has been an, an incredible, incredible season so far. And if you do look at the points tally, if this was any other season, we would be well clear at the top of the league. We've just got this, again, it's one of those situations and it's occurred quite a lot probably over the last decade where clubs, you've had bigger clubs come down with far larger budgets that can blow everyone out the water and then go on and win the title. And unless they have a freakishly bad season, it's very, very difficult to get ahead of them. Yet here we are, we're ahead of them still at this moment, albeit a game more played and they've got a game in hand, three points behind with a bigger goal difference. So I, I, I think it is fair to have that sort of, that 
wake up call in terms of the perspective and where we're at. Um, Scott, how are you feeling about things? Um, I think yesterday it it did actually have that feeling during the game that the players were almost expecting something to happen more than actually just obviously they're working hard and whatever but that it just seemed like they were expecting something was going to happen without having to do much and and Ian Murray actually used it very early in his interview it was just downright complacency coming into the game everybody almost went well our bro for ninth we are top and we've been brilliant at home so that's going to be three points I mean I know we all predicted wins in the pre-match thing but like that's us <laughs> it, it, <laughs> But at the same time, you're not expecting the players to be going in expecting, oh, we'll they'll just roll over because they're short-staffed in terms of their bench as well. That's what made me a, a little bit more confident that we we should be winning was the fact that we need we need to be using the fact that we've got a full bench, and that comes back to that game. Of why was there not a sub used actually at two 0 before it? What happened, like? You've got to utilise that when you're 70 minutes into the game and you're 2-0 up. Whether you go with what Blair was saying of go for them, put on another attacker, or you go down the route of a Ross Matthews, a Scott McGillie, right, let's get that extra boy in midfield. Because they, they still had two, three boys in the middle of the park to our one. So, and I also didn't agree with Vaughn going off yesterday. I thought that's not the player to bring off if you're going to do that at all. It was, I actually thought Connolly was starting to tire out on the right. I thought it was probably him for Mullen. I would yeah. have probably brought on, but look, I'm I'm not going to criticise Murray too much because he's he's been brilliant this season with subs and they've usually worked. So, but I, you, I do think that something had to change. I was going to say, see when you say complacency though, and I I, I didn't want to criticise him a lot either. But I think he was a bit complacent yesterday as well. I think that's the word I would use for him. When they scored that goal, he sent the subs out to warm up. There was no intention of bringing on. I mean, he basically had, I think it was Dylan Corr, warming up, stripped and warming up from half time, Freezing. Like, just warming up because Murray... That was mentioned on Wraith TV that he was he I was think, stripped yeah. and ready to go. And Laurie Ellis kept picking up on it and saying, yeah. why is he not going on? Murray, Murray had picked up, up a wee knock, yeah. 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 knock in the first half. There was no... Like, the one thing with Murray, we've, we've, we've talked about how bold he is and how brave he is and stuff. It just felt like yesterday he kind of shrank a little bit as well, which was no like him because there was... The, the, like I say, Gullen hadn't been out warming up. Uh, Mullen hadn't been out and warming up. You know, th there was no kind of... There didn't even seem to be a plan to make a change. It was almost like he was going to just try and ride out the 90 minutes with the 11 boys that were on the park. Yeah, I think it's... Again, probably looking at it from Ian Murray's perspective, you get to... You get to the... What was it? The the 60, uh, 70th minute, and they make it 2-1. And you think, OK, that was freak, but how do we respond to that? And you probably want to give your players a bit of time because we have been in control of the game. And it is still a very, very, very makeshift Arbroath side. Um, I don't feel like part-time nowadays has too much um, hold to it in the sense that these part-time lads are as fit as full-time lads as far as I'm concerned. I think that it's more down to tactical side where you get a bit more time for players to work on training um, on sort of routines rather than 
um, it being a fitness issue because I think that these lads look after themselves so well now. And then with 10 minutes to go, you give away a penalty and then it becomes 2-2. And straight away, everyone's asking the question, oh, well, we're looking at changes. What could be done different? If we don't give away the penalty, I don't think our broth come remotely close to threatening us. I don't think over the 90 minutes. And that might sound bitter, but I think that at the same time, they've scored from a penalty and a freak goal. Um, if we're calling it what it is. Um, I do feel that maybe potentially that we have created a bit of a rod for our own back. I sort of asked that question coming out the ground. I feel like maybe we've got lads that could potentially come on that we've not really used as much. So Scott McGill and Ross Matthews in particular, they've seen very little game time. And we did bring on Scott McGill, which did seem a bit of a strange change, given that you've got Josh Mullen, who's played a lot more game time who can play out on the wing. So I don't know if Josh, it might be the case that Josh Mullins picked up an injury that we don't know about. And we've just had him on the bench for, for that reason. Um, or whether we're sort of conscious that we've got a few games coming up in quick succession, because you've got the Derby on the second. And then on, on the sixth, we've got Airdrie away, which is good. Both are going to be really, really tough games. Airdrie have been our, well, I think it's safe to say our bogey team. They're the only team we've not beat this season. Um, and Dunfermline and a derby away at East End Park is never an easy game. Um, except from the last time when we absolutely rode them. Um, but yeah, um, it's it'll be interesting to see the reaction from the squad. Because I think if we win the derby, um, which we can talk about a little bit here because it will double as a preview for the, the derby game this episode. Um I think that the whole mentality completely changes. Again, it shifts and it can shift so quickly because we saw that last week when we were fighting back against there and getting a, a late equaliser. We were all frustrated, but then at the same time you're saying, oh, well, Dundee United, they should have absolutely scunnered Queen's Park away from home and yet get held to a draw. Things like that can flip so quickly. Um, and it's very interesting to see how how things react moving forwards over the next sort of few weeks. Um, but I hope that for the squad, again, I feel that towards the end of the game, there was just a bit of frustration. We lost a lot of the fluidity that we had going forward. Um, I feel that we didn't create as many chances as we usually do, um, particularly in that second half. But that that is still there. We do still have that in our locker. Um, and I feel like there's been a lot of changes in the team overall where you lose Sean Byrne for a game or Sam Stanton drops out um, and Scott Brown, I, sh- I think it was yourself, Blair, that, or Scott, that said earlier on, he's flitting back and forth between midfield and defence. So it's, again, just um, keen to see how the next few weeks unfold because there's still a lot of reason to be optimistic. And again, I've wrote down it was a question for you, John, and you almost answered it straight away. You said, I think there's just got to be a bit of perspective about it. So, yeah. So, to look forward to the derby, um, Dunfermline aren't without their injury issues. Duncan just sent through a message there. Duncan, conspicuous in his absence today. Um, he's off doing other things, unfortunately. Um, mentioned that Kyle Benedictus has had a bit of a setback, so it looks like that he's um, had a recurrence of the injury that they'd already suffered. They've got quite a lot of um, other injuries. You and Otto dropped out for them. Um, John, how are you feeling going into the Derby game? Uh, do you think it's a, the best opportunity that we could have to reset? I think um, in many ways, this is the game we need now. We need the Derby game now. Uh, going there, we'll, we'll go there, we'll be positive. We've, we've had their number all season and I don't see any reason 
why we can't go there with a positive mood and, and win. Um, they're, they're, they're in the situation where they were 2 nothing up yesterday and have been pegged back to 2 all. So they're not going to be in, a, in, in great fettle from that. They've also got a few injuries, as you say, the Benedictus missing, Hamilton's missing for them. Structural integrity. Sorry? What was it? It's uh, structural abnormality. Yes. Well, he's got that all the time anyway, hasn't ah, he? We know that. Um, but I am quite positive. I, I'll go there with my usual positivity and think we're going to win there. Um, they've, they're, I don't think they pose us any great problems for, for Tuesday. Hopefully that doesn't come back and bite me on the bum, but I'm quite positive that we'll go there. I think... We'll, we'll sit down, we'll reset, and uh, we'll go there with a new game plan. And I'm quite positive we'll go there and get a, a good result. Carol, obviously you'll be, I'm guessing, watching from afar. I'm not sure yes. what Parse TV's subscription service is like, whether you can get your pay-per-view for the game or whether it will be on Race TV. Um, how are you feeling about things? Um, the, the pessimist in me is that um, we've played them before and they know our game plan is we need to change. That's what we're coming up to. We're coming up to the second half of the season where teams know us. They know that we're dangerous in the last 10 minutes, so they're going to close us down in the last 10 minutes. The optimist in me is Kev Dabrowski double and 4-0 win. <laughs> but no, I think no, I think we'll come out reset, hopefully with a bit more positivity and a bit more gumption, a bit more let's get into this. Let's not let's not stand off and be individuals and try and let's get into this as a team. Is my hope. I think that's a really important part as well to mention that it's a derby game, so it naturally has that element to it. You can't be standoffish in a derby, or otherwise you get absolutely slaughtered. And we've seen that both on the we've seen games where we've gone to East End. I think during the COVID season, that game in particular that we played at East End, where we got beat four one, very very standoffish from a lot of players. I remember that. There was a goal uh, that went down the wing for them. Um, it might have been Lad Comrie um, that scored. And you were just like, there's literally no left-back there for us or no defence. Um, and you were asking serious questions at that point. But then on the other side, we've seen that when we've played them, we've beaten them comfortably at points and had the other side of the coin. So I think that, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see the aggression that we can bring to the match, especially if... Um, Mr. Scott Byrne, as we call him, is back into the uh, starting eleven. Um, Blair, for yourself, how are you? How are you feeling about that moving forward? Yeah, um, quite positive again. I think they've got more to worry about than what we do. Um, I, I, I'm not sure resets the, the word. Um, I think uh, the way Ian Murray put it was reaction, and I think yeah. that's what we need. Um, we we we've got to do something. I think to. Just to change, I mean, we've we've done really well this season, and we've been on this run, and we're still what are we fifteen games unbeaten. That's a thing. Like it's, that's crazy it, to think that. Eh? It is, but I don't want it to turn into. Remember going away to Partick that game in the fog where we were unbeaten, yeah. but it felt like we just tried everything we could not to lose. Like we stopped trying to win games and we just set out to not lose games. Yeah, and I don't want it to become that. Um, I still genuinely think we can win this league, but games like yesterday bring it home a little bit that we're and as Murray said we're no the finished article 
but Dunfermline are far from if we're not the finished article, Chris, they've barely started. So um I do think going into that game, we should go in confident and we, we rightly go in as favourites um, and we have to be confident. But we also have to be aware that if we don't play at our best, we'll do it to ourselves. And I think that's the problem for me is that, you know, air, air was different. Air actually were a, were a decent side. But yesterday we did that to ourselves. Like we absolutely, completely did it to ourselves. And if we let the pars do it as well, um, it'll be an absolute sickener. Um, and it's not the way you want to start this this sort of second half of your season. We're halfway through. We're three points clear at the top of the league. What are we, 20 points ahead of the pars? Do you know what I mean? Like, the, the gap is massive. Um, we just need to go there um, on Tuesday and really kind of drill it home, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And Scott, lastly, just to turn to you, what are your thoughts heading into the derby? I mean, it's just the same. I, I always get really up for it and I, I'd imagine the players are the exact same. Like it's Obviously, it's even better when you're actually at the stadium for it. But I think that the part, they'll be desperate for a, a win because if, if McPate was to go yet another derby game and not win it, they'll really be getting on his back, I think. Just the fact that he's then... I mean, obviously, we don't know what, what the score is going to be, but they've not, until now, they've not scored a goal against us this season. I know, well, in the League, League Cup, aye. League Cup, but it's pre-season and 15th of July, so. <laughs> but it's, uh, I, it, it's just, and they keep blaming it on all these injuries and whatever. Everybody goes through injuries. We went through injuries this season. I mean, we turned up there last time, 3-6-1. Because right. we had no centre backs almost, and we still kept a clean sheet that night. So, no, I've, I've got absolutely no fear with them because they're just. I know Jakubiak got two goals yesterday. I was as surprised as anybody to see he even got one. So, um, I think players hit the nail on the head. I think it is. They just need a reaction out of them. And I think Murray will have the boys in today, I'd imagine, and just be like, look. We need to just be better in every aspect of what we've been. The last two games just haven't been us. The last two home games, we've literally, the way we've played, we've been so slow. It's just not been us at all. So, But you know what's crazy? That we're saying that, but yet we've still scored, what, six goals in the last two home games? It's... Aye, but on the flip side, we've also conceded yes, nine in the last three. Aye, aye, so like, the last three, it, so. it is literally, it's great one way, but the other way, we've been far too open and too sloppy at the yeah. other end. So it's, it has literally just been that sort of way recently, but you know, I, I just think a reaction is definitely something that needs to happen, and it wouldn't surprise me if you do see maybe even as much as three or four changes for that team on Tuesday. Also, just the fact that we only played, it'll be, what, three days in between the games. So yeah. it's And then, as you said, Robbie, we've got Edgy again three or four days later after that. Bang, so he's got to utilise the squad, which is available to him, and that's why it's good as it stands that we've only really got two like guys that could have been starting that are out injured now. Yeah. So it's good that we've got a healthy squad and just, just like us to use the full squad. Unlike yesterday, it took a long time to use the squad. So um no but I'm confident that we'll we'll get a result on, on uh, Tuesday. Yeah, I think see for me, the the thing that I'm conscious of is again I always find that you go up against these teams that are almost like a wounded animal. And our bro for a bit like that yesterday when you get into the position where they are 
freakish where it's like stuff like using goalkeepers outfield and again that's unheard of but looking in the sense of like teams that are really low on players and we were the same last time we went to East End people sort of you feel like they'll be sort of almost um, licking their lips and sort of saying alright we're going to get into them and then when you show up it's a completely different game so we really need to be on our game for that derby match because they are going to be absolutely desperate to beat us especially after some of the antics over the last couple of ones whether the social media stuff and the Benedictus won't play or whether it's Big Kev jumping up in the who is it McCann's face um, after saving the penalty um, so yeah I, I feel it's it's going to be a tricky game it'll be an interesting game but then at the same time I felt that going into the last derby and we absolutely rode them um, and we looked comfortably um, ahead of them at the end so yeah, all, all to play for um, and hopefully a positive reaction, as uh, Ian Murray mentions in his interview. I just want to do, before we head into the big question, I just want to do one one shout out. We had um, um, Big Kev came into uh, the Jim McMillan Club uh, after the game. Great to see him. Really lovely guy. Just took the time doing photo ops with everyone um, and... Uh, apologies to any parents where John Greer appeared in the background of their, their children's <laughs> selfies. Um, but yeah, um, Big Kev, absolutely stellar stuff. Um, as Blair mentioned, we we gifted him a, a sort of travel mug keepsake with his, his Kev Bucks logo that Leslie had created. Um, but the other shout out was to, to a certain uh, Texan uh, stroke Yorkshireman who came over um, to the game, I know that he got announced at half time or just before half time, but uh, he he also ducked in um, on his way, so it was great to put a face to a, a username from a football forum. Um, There's a very strange situation where you can get that nowadays, but he's followed the club from afar um, for a long, long time. Um, so it was really good that he, he got over to the game and just good to meet him um, and just have a chat. Really friendly guy. Um, so it was. I just wish him all safe travels, and um, he's a very enthusiastic fan of the podcast, and was very complimentary about what we're doing. So just a shout out to him as well. Um, really good to to see him in the flesh. So yeah, shout out to to Mister Tex Rover. Um, so for the big question, um, to to move to the episode's conclusion, um, of a bit of a mammoth episode here, um. The big question was put to us by Graham in our group chat. What changes would we make for the second half of the season? So we're going to start with yourself, John. What would you be looking for to change for the second half of the season? Well, I would, I would just like maybe a couple of players to come in and squad just to freshen it up. But I, I don't have any names. Um, I would also like to see Ross Matthews get a good run at it because... Ross um, has been a bit unfortunate recently. He's, he's got back fit, but he's not really had a, a chance to get on. I thought maybe yesterday if we'd been cruising to a, a, a decent win, it would have been a great chance to get Ross on the field and, and see him back. Um, I think Ross, a fully fit on his game, Ross Matthews back in the, the squad would be like a new signing. Um He's a great guy and he deserves a bit of a break, but maybe just somebody to freshen up, freshen up the squad as well. You know, another, another maybe name coming in would be a good thing. Um, I would, I would still like everybody said over the, the the recent podcast. I'd like to see Dan O'Reilly 
sticking around as well because I think yesterday he showed in, in patches he's a useful player to have on the squad and um, I think we all know that every player, the managers said that, that everybody in the squad will be utilised between now and the end of the season. So that that would be my wish for the second half of the season. Yep. Carol, for you, watching from afar. John Greer stole my one, because my one was going to be Ross Matthews. So, yeah, because I do, I agree, completely agree, John. I think a, a fit, fresh Ross Matthews is going to be like a new signing. Um, more of the same. I mean, I know yesterday was a bit dull and a bit flat and we feel a bit blurt, but more of the same. A calendar year with one defeat, um, positivity coming out the club. Yeah, I want more of the same. Yep. I think uh, everyone can get behind that. I think we'd be, have to find a <laughs> lunatic in our support that wasn't getting behind that, really. I'm sure we could find one. I'm sure Ooh. we could. <laughs> right. Blair, how about for you? What are you thinking? Um, a two-goal win in the league. I asked for that for Christmas and I didn't get yeah, it, so I must have been on the, on the naughty list. We've really still got good. the Rays, we've still got the Kings on the 6th of January is when the Kings come to Spain and I've asked for a 2-0 win on that day. So. Right, well, hopefully they're a bit more uh, real than um, Santa well, was for me. There's three of them, so they've got three chances. So yeah, I, really just, I feel like this squad has got a game in them where they absolutely put somebody to the sword. And we've done it in the cup games. I mean, we've done it against a championship side in the cup game. Um, if you can call them that. Well, it's due uh, on Tuesday. Come on. Aye. But that's it, John. I just want to, I want to go to East End Park and I want to pump them again. That's all I want. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Scott, what are you after? Uh, I don't think I'm going to be uh, mates with Graham much longer, but I, I'm really, really wanting a left back in the club. We, I feel like whether he has or he hasn't, I just think Liam Dixon, a position where we have nobody to really play left back. And so no matter if he plays good or bad, he's just going to remain in the team. I feel that you can't have that in any team that's going to be challenging for a league. You have to be on it every game. And it's not, I, I believe that he is up for every game. It's more the fact that you can become comfortable in a position if you know that there's nobody behind you ready to go. Like he's in a position. Ross Millen was in this position last season. He didn't have a right back that was even challenging him. Whereas in seasons before, if you've got guys, two players in every position or centre back four, then you've got competition and it's always healthy to have competition in a squad and it just pushes you forward. I just think, yeah, another left back in. And Liam Dick's actually quite good at centre half. If we ever need him to play centre half, then you've got the option of that other left-back if you bring one in to go and play left-back with Dick at centre-half so it's also you can play him there so I, I just feel that somebody that's a little bit more attacking and can overlap more and just offer that extra bit of width on that left because it now just seems to be we're hoping that Dylan Easton just pulls a rabbit out of the hat every time we go forward and I mean didn't get me wrong again he begs a boy and nearly it creates something out of nothing and He's letting a ball bounce off his head and just the hits the crossbar and everything. I mean, he was taking the piss yesterday at times, but it was also just, we need to, I just think it's for the squad, for competition, we need to bring in a left back. But, we uh, we yeah. didn't even mention that Easton with that bit of control, the close control uh, to bring it down on his head, takes it down, <laughs> cuts inside and then just wallops it. And if that goes in, again, 
Yeah, you're talking, add it to the highlight reel because it's Dylan Easton just, again, he just, like you said, doesn't do tap-ins. Um, just for myself, um, I would say, again, to, to look to the Liam Dick point, I think it is quite interesting. I mentioned in the group chat recently, though, that um, I feel like he suffers from the fact that because fullbacks are so, like, sort of almost swashbuckling um, nowadays and getting forward aggressively, and even then he is still fine with that, um, it's. I think he suffers because when when it's a weak spot and he makes a mistake, it seems far more clear just because of the position that he plays, um, and the and the role that he's in, um. So I think it almost sort of gets magnified. I would be quite happy if we made an approach for Lewis Strap or Lewis Stevenson as sort of Leslie asked for for his Christmas, um, with those two, and I get that they're two very different types of players. But I think that, yeah, having that cover um, or the ability to sort of move it about and change them, it would offer quite a lot uh, going forward. In all honesty, for me, I, I'm the same as um, Carol and John. I'd be very much on the Ross Matthews train um, of wanting to see him back getting game time regularly because I feel like he just offers a robustness. And even even towards like the COVID season and... Um, Later parts, he was getting forward into that sort of almost like a number 10 role, driving forward, being able to arrive late on the box and score goals. We saw that with his goal that was sort of the, the threaded pass from Regan Hendry, the one that Blair mentioned uh, recently, where nobody saw the run other than Regan Hendry, and he just gets the ball perfectly in the feet and scores from it. I feel like if we could get Ross Matthews, he would offer a bit of sort of um, both aggression being able to tackle in the midfield, but also being able to push forward when needed. Um, I think that would be a huge one um, for us. So that would be my ask. So that's going to round off this episode of Oh No, No, No. It'll round off this year um, in which we've we've founded the podcast. Um, so on behalf of myself and everyone else involved, um, we want to wish you all a happy new year when it comes. Um, enjoy your evening tonight. Um, and all the best and we look forward to seeing you with many many new projects that we're going to be coming forward with in the future um, if you do want to follow us uh, we can be found on Twitter at ONNN Podcast feel free to subscribe to our YouTube share our Spotify we're quite active on our socials so any share is welcome but uh, we wish you all the best for the new year when it comes and thank you for listening